0: And welcome back to the Web3 Native podcast. Today, we continue our series on the multi chain future, also covering things like cross chain interoperability. And of course, with us is one of the key builders in the space, Rebecca, the co founder and CEO of Saga. Hello, Rebecca.
1: Hi, Shakai. How are you?
0: Great. And it's, of course, great to have you here.
1: Thanks now, so much for having me. It's a wonderful podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, And, of course, it's the first time that you're coming to our pod, so let's just kick off with a quick self-intro of yourself uh, and, of course, your journey in Web3, which I know you've been building for some time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'm honored to be on. Uh, I know that you've had some wonderful conversations in the past that I've greatly enjoyed. uh, So I'm very happy to be here. Uh, In terms of my personal journey, oh my goodness. So I uh, started in Web3 and crypto back in, I want to say, 2016 timeframe. So it's been about six years now. And uh, Saga is actually my second crypto startup. So my first one was a company called SkewChain that focused on providing short-term liquidity to small, medium-sized businesses. So it was more in the DeFi space. And my co-founder there was Zaki Mannion, um, who's one of the original uh, co-founders and builders in the Cosmos ecosystem. Uh, so we did that for a few years. I was co-founder and COO there. So I ran the business side of the operation and uh, around... Um, spring last year, we had gotten to about $5 billion in annual volume. And I felt that after four years, it was a good time to start looking at what the next adventure would be. Um, so I, I do have a bit of a background in other industries. I um, started my career as a corporate lawyer doing a lot of m and and securities law, which I never thought I would use again, um, but apparently very appropriate in, uh, in crypto and the Web3 space. Uh, I did that for about... My goodness, i um, thinking about it now about six years or so. Uh, but I always knew I wanted to get into startups. I always knew that I wanted to, to build a technology enterprise. Uh, and so I left the full-time practice of law and I was in AI for a little while. Uh, so my very first startup was uh, something called Globality, um, which is an AI-based Platform for procurement of international services. I was there for about a year and a half as their head of business development. I founded their Asia operations as well and ran that for a while. We got backed by SoftBank, and at that point, we reached unicorn status. Um, so I started to think about, okay, what are other cool technologies out there? And crypto at the time was just incredibly fascinating to me. What could be done in financial services with a decentralized system like crypto was inspiring. Uh, And so I decided to start looking at this space. I also have a background in politics. Uh, I was part of both the Clinton and Biden presidential campaigns so 2016, 2020 and uh last year well two years ago now time flies uh we we won and so um i really did consider going into government for a long time very seriously considered a role in the administration and uh, i don't know if you've heard but government's quite slow and uh, after you've been in the startup building mode for a while it's difficult to go to a slower environment the transition is just Um, Not not easy. Uh, And so I actually called up Zaki and I said, Hey, I I think I'd like to stay in crypto. And he said, Well, you know, there's this team in Cosmos um, that's building something. We're not quite sure what it is yet. But the team comes from the heart of Cosmos, you should talk to them. So I was late last year. And I uh, really just got inspired by what they were trying to do in Cosmos and they had sort of a, a problem statement in mind but in terms of the overall vision and the product and what has now become saga um, was something that needed help to to shape uh, so I, I joined the team and um, a few months later here we are
0: awesome awesome it seems like a- quite a transition right it's something quite different yeah. from what you've done before uh so we, yeah. we'd love to understand right what, what kind of things you've, you've brought uh from your journey to saga and how has that uh, transformed saga from that initial kind of a very incubative, big kind of concept to like the yeah. clear vision that we have today
1: yeah absolutely uh, so i let me start with what i think is most relevant uh which is my experience in very product-driven startups uh, so you know, typically, this is no surprise to your audience, uh, but the way that you build a startup is first you identify a problem that you want to tackle and the magic of startups as opposed to maybe other small new businesses, um, which are also wonderful. But the, the unique thing about tech startups is that you are meant to tackle the problem in a very scalable manner, in a very quick, high growth manner. And the only way that you can do that is by building a kick-ass product. So that was my training in startups. And that happened at Globality with an AI platform. It happened at SkewChain with a DeFi platform. And so um, when I came to Saga, uh, the goal um, originally, and it still remains the goal now, is to allow developers to much more easily get onto their own block space. Uh, that is what Cosmos is about, uh, but Cosmos uh, is, is not easy to build on if you are not super technical or even if you are, you know, wonderfully, technically talented and experienced. It's, it's not easy to stand up your own chain because you need to get your own validator set. You have to come up with a security model for that validator set, token economics, et cetera. There's a lot involved in standing up your own chain. So we wanted to democratize that. Uh, but the original conception of Saga really focused, like you said, on the incubation piece, on um, having very high touch with developers, almost sort of like an accelerator uh, type model. And I knew that services would be an important part of this business. And it remains the case that all projects and all partners that build on Saga get a lot of time and attention from the team. Having said that, it all starts with a kick-ass product. You must have that. If you don't have it, then there's no way that your company can really scale. Um, so I, I think that's um, the the key takeaway from uh, everything that I've done in my career that was brought to Saga and has really made a difference here. The other thing is, you know, you notice that I, I started off as a corporate lawyer and I've been in the political circles for for a while, um, but I've also been in startups. And so I, I think crypto and Web three is sort of that perfect blend of needing to understand and live in a world that goes by more establishment rules, um, regulations that are really more appropriate uh, for for more traditional um, ways of doing things, uh, but at the same time, really trying to innovate and push that bleeding edge. Uh, and so over the years, I, I can't say that I've struck a perfect balance, but I sort of understand where that line is between... Uh, needing to acknowledge uh, current reality, but at the same time really push for the future and inspire people to build that future with you. Uh, And so it's a very soft uh, quality, but it's been gained through many, many years of experience in both the startup world and what I've been doing before. Uh, And it's reflected in the Saga culture, how quickly we build, how innovation minded we are, uh, how aggressively we pursue opportunities. Uh, But at the same time, we're all very grounded in reality. Everyone on the team is wonderfully talented and experienced. uh, And so we know um, sort of where we should be putting all of our efforts and energy and resources and, and we go after it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, as with any uh, talent coming into Web3, it all adds to the tapestry of different approaches, culture. And so really glad to have you in this space, Rebecca. Uh, I think given like pushing the boundaries of like both the startup and also bringing in like some of the, the political side of things, right? Where like, well, governance is in essence politics in a way mm-hmm. uh, when you have to build a community, right? And uh, so all, all of this certainly welcomes a lot of innovation uh i think on on the saga front, should we have like a, a quick uh like one two liner intro then then we can talk about like how is it positioned versus the other solutions because you touched on it with the the cosmos kind of like yeah. building challenges right but actually yeah. the the landscape's much wider than that as well
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um so first of all, chica, thanks very much for the kind words it's it's true um just a side note there that You know, I having done two presidential campaigns at this point, I understand how difficult it is um, to really rally a community and get them to to mobilize for a certain cause. And so when I see DAOs trying to do the same thing, I I see this incredible enthusiasm, which I hope we never lose. But um, very quickly. People realize, oh, it's this is not easy. It's not <laughs> easy um, to run uh, campaigns for governance proposals, for instance, or really to decide what your constitution is. But it's just incredibly exciting to see people attempt it, uh, and I, I think so many exciting innovations will come out of DAOs. Um, but back to Saga. Uh, so, uh, what Saga is? It's it's a chain to launch chains. Uh, so. Our platform uh, allows developers to automatically get onto their own dedicated chain. So how the flow usually works is a developer is going to deploy a smart contract uh, in some sort of blockchain virtual machine. And they take that VM to the Saga protocol and through command line, they're able to automatically deploy that onto its own dedicated chain, which we call a chainlet. Now, all chainlets are secured by the exact same set of validators as the Saga mainnet. Uh, So we have a mainnet that starts off with, I think, roughly about 20 validators or so. And each and every one of those is also going to automatically uh, secure any chainlet that comes on board. And we achieve that through interchain security. So interchain security is a feature that is coming out of the Cosmos hub, uh, the way that we implement it is, is quite different um, from how the hub is doing it just because of the markets that we're going after, uh, but it's the same idea. Uh, and that that is um, the long and short of the saga protocol. So it's, it's the automated provisioning of block space. Uh, we've decided to focus uh, first on gaming and entertainment. It is a generalized scalability infrastructure. Having said that, we have identified that the two sectors that really desperately need this kind of infrastructure in order to grow and to you know, meaningfully scale um, in Web3 adoption uh, is gaming and entertainment. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into a little more detail as to why that is later. Um, but that's that's our initial focus.
0: I see. Yeah, let's go there now. So for yeah. gaming entertainment, like, <laughs> what are their needs, and and why is Saga kind of like uniquely positioned to meet those?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that crypto infrastructure up until now has been very good at high value, low volume transactions. Uh, And so that squarely falls into the realm of DeFi. Uh, So you have transactions that are potentially millions, if not billions of, of dollars in value. And so when you look at the gas fees, you don't really mind paying them. Or when you look at the settlement times, you don't really mind waiting Um, However, when you start to look at gaming and entertainment, both of those categories are really driven by the user experience. If it's not fun, you're not going to engage. And to me, that is a much higher threshold uh, when it comes to what you need on the infrastructure side, because uh, what it translates into is uh, heightened needs for better performance of the chain, um, for uh, almost no congestion on the chain, uh, for a higher throughput. Uh, if anything should happen on the chain, then your particular application cannot be affected or you need a way to be able to get that chain up and running again, it needs to be within the control of your own engineering team. Also gas fees uh, can exist, but they need to be predictable. Uh, Otherwise, your users are really going to be turned off. Uh, And so all those requirements really start to speak to the app chain world. Uh, It means that um, for these games, either it's one game per chain or it's a limited set of games per chain. But suffice to say that it's necessary for these applications to have their own dedicated block space in which to run in order to offer a satisfying user experience. And that's ultimately what uh, gaming and entertainment is looking for. It's really looking to cater to that user. Uh, So for for them, um, it is an existential question uh, to be able to get this quality of infrastructure. And in terms of what Web3 Metaverse and gaming hopes to do going forward is really expand the scope of the business models that are possible in web three. So is it play to earn? Is it free to play to earn? Is it some other business model that we haven't even determined yet? Um, A lot of times that business model is first determined by the infrastructure and then that in turn uh, determines the design of the game. And so you want to be able to, to be free in your creativity for putting that game together the better the quality of the infrastructure, the more freedom you have uh, to play with that game model. And that's what we hope to offer to all the gains and all the partners that are coming onto the Saga protocol.
0: All right. So we're talking about uh, not just high throughput, but also dedicated throughput, right? So like guaranteed yeah. level of performance, we're talking about like customizable yeah. experience, like gas and so on. And of course, flexibility to work with uh, presumably the virtual machines that they're comfortable with, or, or potentially yeah. even kind of like migrating from like existing experiences and keeping some of the clunky parts, even if they want to, to, to do that, right? Uh, yeah. So all, all this sounds great and of course i think uh for for practical purposes developers also want to know uh what what are the the trade-offs that they might be making right so i think in in the sense of relying on saga for the infrastructure uh does that mean there are certain like points of uh potential like uh, security uh, the concerns and other things
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i i would say let's let's focus on just the the pure infrastructure first and so what does it mean to build on an app chain versus building on what we call a monolithic chain, uh, which is your Ethereum's, your Solana's, your Algorand's, Avalanche's, et cetera. Um, So what's the difference between the two? So when you build on a monolithic chain, you face congestion issues, throughput issues. The the infrastructure is uh, frankly not not really suitable to uh, applications like gaming and entertainment with those user requirements. But what benefits do you get? You get the community. Uh, because you are building on this monolithic chain with an inbuilt community around it. What does community translate into? It translates into players. And so you have a ready user base uh, that you can plug into if you build on one of these large chains. Uh, You also have a good amount of liquidity for whatever assets you're generating. So when we're looking at gaming and entertainment, usually the assets that we're talking about are NFTs. Uh, and that's true for pure NFT projects, that's also true for games, where a lot of the in-game assets are now expressed as NFTs in a Web3 environment. Uh, and so you get uh, transferability of these assets, liquidity, uh, those, those are all wonderful things to have um, if you are uh, a gaming or NFT application. But um, if you are building on an app chain, we have taken those considerations in, into account, and this is how we satisfy them. So in terms of the community piece, it's true that when you build uh, your own dedicated chain on Saga, it is your own chain. However, keep in mind that Cosmos is interoperability first, which means that it comes built with something we call interblockchain blockchain communication, IBC, um, which is an interoperability protocol. So all Cosmos chains inherently have interoperability between them, which means that even though you are on your own dedicated chain in Cosmos, you are nevertheless part of the wider ecosystem automatically. And that's also true for Saga. So if you're building uh, an, an application on uh, the, the Saga protocol, then not only are you a part of the Saga community, you're also a part of the Cosmos community. So there is a community there. Uh, the other thing I would mention is... Um, once you start to think about transferability uh, of, of assets between uh, different chains, let's say, or different games, if you decide to divide up the entertainment properties that you're deploying in Web3 uh, between different universes, then all of a sudden you have to think about interoperability. Uh, you can't just stay on one particular chain and hope that that chain is going to be the, the home uh, for all of your different universes. and It's going to satisfy all your needs for all the different applications you're going to build. And so you have to think about that interoperability piece. Fortunately, that is built into our system. And so already with some of the projects that we're working with, we're seeing um, use cases where they are deploying different games uh, onto different chainlets. And those chainlets constitute different worlds in that gaming universe. The NFTs that are generated on each of those chainlets can then be freely transferred, uh, not just between their universe, but also other universes in Saga. Um, What we're starting to do as well is um, thinking very seriously about bridging to other ecosystems outside of Cosmos, just bridging to Solana, for instance. Um, The first kind of virtual machine that we'll be supporting is the Ethereum virtual machine. So there's sort of a natural connection there to Ethereum, but we're also looking at direct bridges to Ethereum as well. Uh, And so you you want to prepare yourself um, for your game to grow. By getting into an ecosystem that A is a wide community and also thinks about both the um, interoperability aspect as well as the multi-chain nature of the architecture. Uh, and so that's that's how I would think about you know, sort of the pros and cons and where you wanna position your game, how you wanna build it if I were a developer.
0: Definitely, definitely. Of course on the issue of scaling it seems that mm-hmm. uh, everybody is trying to tackle it in their own way right uh be it like yeah. improving the throughput uh, and also uh, improving the user experience so we have seen for example on on solana right you're you're supposed to be able to have uh, more parallel processing and and uh, the validators can also scale quite easily uh yeah. with things like um and also uh, i think with user experience we've seen that for example games can be deployed on like polygon with some of the metaverse projects and they also use uh, other infrastructure players to abstract away the gas all right mm-hmm. and then uh and then we see kind of like a subcategory of like the app chain or in between uh where yeah. we're talking about kind of side chain subnet supernets these concepts right that like we've seen like uh, on avalanche a couple of games have moved over uh, and now polygon is looking into launching these uh, supernets as well for dedicated yeah. applications. Uh, of course, uh, in Cosmos we see that DYDX has uh, has decided to set up their their own chain, right? So I guess that is uh, yeah. an example to go by. Um, how do you, how would you see like these different options, right? Uh, aside from. The, the community side of things that you've talked about, right? are there technical differences that people should consider? Is it a philosophical difference? Like, or is it a purely kind of a, a BD kind of like who can reach and provide the best experience?
1: It's, it's a little bit of all of the above, um, Shikai to be perfectly honest, but um, if, if I could break it down like this. So why is it that you worry about scalability? So I would say that um, what gaming and entertainment has taught us, and frankly, DYDX is is a DeFi protocol, um, and they've taught us this as well, is once your application starts to grow to sort of any appreciable traffic, your block space gets clogged up very, very quickly. Um, Even in gaming and entertainment, where people have tried to keep as many transactions off-chain as possible, so maybe preserve only the NFT transactions uh, for logging onto the chain and then everything else, all the other gameplay, all the other interactions with the NFT project are going to stay off chain. People have tried those solutions. Nevertheless, block space gets clogged up very, very quickly, not to mention all the throughput issues that happen once um, you're you're trying to get lots of transactions through the system. So how do we solve for that? And that's why you see a lot of these uh, solutions come up that really emphasize scalability. Uh, So I I would say the first category of, major category, of scalability solutions that came up last year is um, how do we make blockchains more modular? So blockchain has um, several distinct elements to it. You know, we oftentimes think about it as just this this sort of black box. But actually, you have the settlement mechanism, you have the data availability, um, you have the the security mechanism, the consensus. And so... uh, The purpose of modular blockchains is to take each of those elements of a chain and then break them out, such that different infrastructure players can provide individual parts of that chain. Uh, And so famously with respect to data availability, you have players like Celestia um, that are trying to basically make the data layer uh, move a lot faster than the rest of the components of the chain, and at the very least, that'll help with scalability purposes. What we're saying is, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the upper limit that you have on scaling is block space. So if you are uh, Ethereum, for instance, or if you're Solana or one of these monolithic chains, your first instinct is to basically make fatter pipes to increase the computing power of your particular chain. But that has an upper limit. Uh, and then you hear a lot of talk of rollups, for instance, which is kind of like an app chain concept, but it's it's, it's not quite. So it's it's not the case that these rollups are uh, entirely sovereign and the way in which they relate to the main chain, that's, that's a little different from how we think about app chains. Uh, but having said that, we're, we're starting to see people realize, okay, if you need additional block space, the answer is not to make your current block space bigger, it is to create literally additional block space by horizontally scaling or finding other sources of block space. And that's where Saga squarely fits in. Um, So from our perspective, if there is a monolithic chain that is looking to uh, scale itself by allowing additional applications or even overflow traffic to go onto different chains, or if there is a new project that is trying to make sure that they never run out of block space. Um, we are providing that block space for them. So each of these chainlets are meant to be stood up in a permissionless manner as long as you're able to pay the fee um, for keeping that chainlet alive. And that fee is is determined by what the validators need in order to provide that security. As long as you pay that fee, that block space is yours. Uh, And so the, the point is to provide near commoditized block space to these projects that are looking to scale or wanna make sure that as they grow, they don't run into scaling issues. And so um, to, to answer your your broader question of is, does the um, landscape of scaling solutions mean that there are philosophical differences between uh each of these different approaches perhaps there are some philosophical differences in terms of you know how important is it to to ultimately get onto your own independent block space um, versus sharing block space with others Uh, Is it important to uh, allow any and all developers uh, to get access or do you still want people to go through the exercise of standing up their own chains with their own validator sets, et cetera? So there are some philosophical differences there, but at Saga, you know, we look at this pretty dispassionately. We think that whatever is easiest for the developer is ultimately going to be the solution that wins. Uh, And that's what we've been focused on as we design out and build our product.
0: Indeed, uh, and with that, we can clearly see that with the progress that Saga has been making right over the past months. So, uh, we would we'll love to hear about the the program and the recruitment efforts that's been going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's it's been busy. I think we closed our seed round, um, which Longhash very generously participated in. So thank you so much for your support. Um, but we closed that uh, mid May. We were very lucky. The day that we closed, we thought, oh, okay, you know. We're we're happy that um, we got this done. Now we really want to focus on building. Three days later, the market tanked. Um, And then we felt incredibly lucky uh, to have gone out of that one. But um, right after we closed our seed round, then we we really did focus on uh, execution implementation. Uh, So Alphanet, which is the earliest version of our network, comes out late August, early September. Um, That's when it comes out to the public. And... uh, that will be the first opportunity for people to see what it is that Saga is building. It is the earliest version of our network. So caveat now that it's it's raw. Nothing that is built on AlphaNet is going to remain. Um, it, it's all going to be superseded by later on a Devnet uh, this year, and then a Testnet, of course, Mainnet early next year. Uh, but we're really excited to release the first version of our product to the public. Um, so, our engineers have been incredibly busy on that, uh, our, our CTO, Jacob Dorman, has been designing out the system, just closely monitoring the um, the progress and development, uh, so we're, we're incredibly excited about showing Alphanet to the world and, of course, getting our projects and partners building on it so that we can understand their feedback and then use it to improve the protocol. On the business side of things, it has been very busy, uh, so... We are firm believers that it's never too soon to start onboarding people onto your protocol because at the end of the day, these developers are not just looking for something to build on. That is incredibly important, but it takes so much to build an application, uh, so it takes support uh, in terms of marketing, in terms of building an ecosystem, building a community, and making sure that a developer is supported throughout their entire development cycle and beyond, uh, which is why we stood at the Saga Innovator Program the same day, I, I trying to remember accurately, either the same day or the day after um, we announced our seed raise. And the reason we did it so early is we want to make sure that we have the resources necessary uh, to onboard the initial projects and the initial partners that we'll be building on Saga. So everyone who's a participant um, on the, um, the program. Uh, is able to get early access to Alphanet. They also get access to uh, all of Saga's co-marketing efforts. So Twitter spaces, Discord community calls, blog posts, any sort of specialized marketing campaigns for some of these projects that have launches coming up, we're happy to support that. But the idea is to really start onboarding these developers and their projects into Saga as an ecosystem, as a platform, as opposed to just a, a protocol in which to get your own block space. Um, So the program is is active. Uh, We are onboarding lots of different projects right now, lots of different partners. Those announcements are getting made uh, over the course of the next couple of months. Um, I think we kicked off uh, yesterday with an announcement that Cosmic Horizon, um, one of the key games in the Cosmos ecosystem, uh, is a participant in this innovator program. But we um, have only reserved about 50 slots uh, for this program just to make sure that our team is able to support uh, each one of these projects adequately. Um, so, yeah, we're super excited to share uh, these projects with the, the wider community. We're just really inspired by what these developers are building and just excited to have them start on the saga journey so early with us. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's been busy. Uh, I anticipate that after Alphanet comes out, it'll get even busier, uh, but I mean, we're, we're really happy that um, what we're building seems to be really resonating with the market uh, and that it's fulfilling a need um, for those who are really looking to go into Web3, expand their presence in Web3 and really build out this space um, over, the, over the next few months.
0: Definitely, definitely. And it sounds like uh, you want to actually dedicate some of the human resources as well, yeah. uh, and not just yeah. the, the technical bits, right? Uh, in order to, to help these builders understand the landscape and other parts which are needed. Uh, you kind of yeah. alluded to that a bit before where Saga kind of solves the problem of block space and a lot of the flexibility that that comes with it to create the user experience. At the same time, there are other parts of this modular architecture that can be useful to many of the builders out there, things to consider like data availability, storage, compute, uh, liquidity, all of which can come from the other chains as well. So perhaps would you like to introduce some of these other elements that I presume that we are also orchestrating for these builders?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it it all starts off with uh, getting your own block space. So we've simplified the deployment process down to as long as you are building in some sort of blockchain virtual machine, then you are automatically able to get onto your own chain. Um, that process, which used to take about eight to ten months in engineering effort, not to mention all the business efforts that go into standing up your own chain, um, it's now reduced to seconds. Now. know i want to be transparent that there are differences still between a fully sovereign chain and what you're getting on saga so a fully sovereign chain means that you have governance it means that you have native staking on saga you are able to replicate um, those elements if they're really important to you however um, because you are using saga security the staking piece is no longer as uh as relevant it's not as natural um, to the to the chain Uh, And of course, the governance piece that usually derives from staking, uh, that is something that has become elective as opposed to something that's necessary for your chain to run. But having said that, the very first step is you get onto your own dedicated chain. Now, in terms of what uh, gaming applications, NFT applications really need, to, to be successful. I would say all the things that you talked about Shikai are, are very important. So in terms of data availability, we are actively exploring partnerships there. In terms of bridging um, to other ecosystems, that is also incredibly important. And we were very careful about selecting bridging partners that we know are, are building bridges that are as trustless as possible. Um, we still believe that an IPC implementation is probably the most secure way to do interoperability. Having said that, we recognize that there are many other bridging solutions that um, are, are very far along in uh, uh, connecting two ecosystems to one another. Um, in terms of other tools, however, uh, that developers need in order to really fill out uh, their their particular Web3 gaming application or NFT project, um, wallets are very important. And so we started to look at integration with wallets. Um, but we think that a lot of the creative talent and a lot of the developers that are interested in Web3 metaverse actually come from Web2. And there are lots of platforms in Web2 that are looking to expand into Web3 or lots of Web3 native platforms that are specifically focused on gaming and entertainment. And I would say that um, for uh, partnerships that we've had to really help build out the Saga protocol, uh, the technical partnerships are incredibly important, but in terms of partnerships with these platforms that provide the developer toolkits, that uh, directly impact the applications that are being built i I would say that those are the ones that we work the most closely with at the moment um, because these are the platforms that have understood what are the challenges for a game developer if they're looking to create a cool game what are the tools that they need in order to do that and to make sure that when a developer comes to saga we provide the infrastructure layer however everything in the middle Um, that takes your application from a really cool idea to something that functions as a piece of software, to something that interacts with Web3 infrastructure, that is something that is going to be provided by a partner. And so we've been working very closely with those platforms. And honestly, in this Innovator program, they take the lion's share uh, of the the partner slots that we have. Uh, So that's how we think of the breakdown of all the different needs that a developer has in order to make their game or NFT project successful. Uh, And uh, to the extent that we can't provide it ourselves, we are actively seeking partnerships elsewhere. Uh, So that's how we're seeing it. And in terms of when those partnerships get rolled out, and therefore those feature sets become available, we are thinking very deliberately about that roadmap, um, such that developers' most urgent needs are satisfied first, and then other features will come along after.
0: Great. I think we're all looking forward. To, to those announcements and, and the rollouts uh, to further Absolutely. improve the experience, right? Because not everybody can build everything. So it, it is a collective effort as always, uh, and especially in the multi-chain, the concept. At the same time, uh, it is early days and there are many components of infrastructure that are either still also very early themselves and still need to, to build out various features or perhaps even some gaps, right? Are there any of these that you like to highlight so some of the infrastructure builders can also take a look at these?
1: I would say, um, they're, I wouldn't call them gaps necessarily, um, but they, they are areas that we're, we're really, really focused on. So uh, the bridging piece is, we keep going back to bridging um, because we see that you know, bridging is going to be a necessary landscape for multi-chain. Uh, we would like to think that something like IBC, which kind of functions like a TCP IP protocol, would be adopted uh, across The different ecosystems, but whether that becomes a reality or not, I I honestly don't know. Uh, And so bridges really provide that crucial connection between um, the different ecosystems, making sure that people can pass as it's back and forth um, in a trustless manner. Uh, and so we're we're closely monitoring that space. I would say a, a project like Axelar, for instance, is very far along in that. Layer zero is also a great solution in there. Uh, but in terms of really shoring that up uh, and uh, developing as quickly as possible so that these resources are available to us, that's something that we're monitoring very, very closely. Um, the, the other piece I'll mention is um, uh, in terms of the... Um, the speed and the throughput of blockchains so uh what we're able to do is we're able to expand block space such that if you had your own dedicated block space um this is basically as fast as chain operations can go for you Uh, and so we're trying to maximize chain transaction speed in that way but um, there are some very cutting edge um innovations that are happening right now to just make blockchain processing speed that much faster uh, and so we're really looking forward to, to getting those innovations as well, because then you're not, you get the best of both worlds. You're no longer just trying to expand to as much block space as possible. You're also making that block space that much more efficient. Uh, and so we would love to see more innovations in that space. I would say that's that's the very bleeding edge. And so if you think about something like app chains or a multi-chain ecosystem really maturing over the course of next year, uh infrastructure that improves the hardware itself improves the the core functioning of a blockchain that's much further out Um, but we're very excited to see that Um, last piece i'll mention is probably zero knowledge Uh, we hear a lot about zk and uh, we're very excited about what zk could mean for a multi-chain landscape uh, in which you want to be able to share your data but there needs to be some retention of privacy uh, so ZK is a term that has been thrown around for as long as I've been in crypto and Web3, and it's always been such a beautiful dream. Um, I think we're getting so much closer to realizing that, uh, but we're still, to, to be you know very real about it, we're still quite far. And in terms of the computing power that ZK requires... Um, that's something that there, there are a few startups out there uh, that are, are trying to tackle that particular problem. Because if you take the uh, transaction throughput of a normal blockchain, then you add ZK on top of it, it becomes even slower. Uh, and so that's, that's a piece of infrastructure that I think we all agree satisfies a very important user need. But in terms of whether the, the actual, um, you know, bare metal is there um, for, for that to happen, we're, we're not quite there yet. So we'd love to see more investment in that space as well. Um, but yeah, as, as you can tell, there's no shortage of really exciting innovation that's happening in, in Web3. And um, we, we just hope to hit the timing right on each of those points.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, and uh, I love that a lot of these are like what you need as well uh, in order yes. to be like <laughs> skill saga and, and build out saga and create this like yeah. experience. So with exactly. all these trends uh, and, and uh, exciting innovation components uh, would you like to make a bold prediction then? Like, what do you think it's the multi-chain or cross-chain future is going to look like in whatever time frame that you like—three, five, ten years?
1: Oh my goodness! Um, you know, I um, I think that the dedicated chain, the blocks, your dedicated block space, is going to be the equivalent of an AWS instance. People won't even think about it. Um, and, and they'll just be standing it up. It, it'll just be uh, the standard for how people are building in crypto and Web3. I think that's what we're getting to. And it'll take a long time to get there. Um, you think of now about AWS and how critical it is for any sort of software operation, whether you're a tiny startup and you're just looking to launch the very first version of your application, or whether you, you are Amazon themselves and you rely on AWS for all of your cloud operations, uh, it doesn't matter. I, I think that uh, the demand for block space is going to entail um, the the proliferation of these dedicated chains um, as as essentially cloud instances and cloud servers. So that's that's my prediction. That that's where we're getting to. And in terms of what happens with these monolithic chains, I am very interested in seeing what happens with rollups. I do think that just based on the economics of rollups and um, how they relate back to, the, um, to the, the main chain, the beacon chain, if you will. Uh, that It remains to be seen whether that is sort of the best way to go about it or whether you should be doing an app chain, you should be doing a separate chain and then bridging back um, to, to the main chain. I have a sneaking suspicion that that second um, category is, is actually far more efficient uh, and, and that people will probably go that route. But I, I do think that even for a large chain like an Ethereum um, or like a Solana, et cetera, uh, that they're going to see this proliferation of smaller chains just hooking back into, into the beacon. So that's my prediction. I think that arrives a lot sooner than, than one would think. I, I would say in the next three to five years, you're, you're going to, to see that happen. And I mean, what does that mean? For um, for the internet, uh, for Web three and the rise of Web three uh, and how it coexists with Web two, I think that's what it means. Is you know, Web three is all about decentralization. It is about owning your piece of your digital life, and I think that there's greater desire um, for people to have that kind of control over their digital lives. And what's necessary for that. It's necessary for Web three infrastructure to keep pace with that sort of demand. Uh, and so. To the extent that there is more um, of that desire from the general public web 3 infrastructure just has to keep up with it um so I, I think that that proliferation of infrastructure for such individualized needs is going to accelerate um, rather than peter off and that is what's going to lead to the wider web 3 revolution i think um for uh, adoption among the masses
0: indeed wow Th- thank you for painting the vision i think we yeah. all Await that future where, yeah. like you said, it's like a- AWS, right? As uh, uh, you know, as ubiquitous with scale uh, and yeah. as uh, seamless or intuitive for developers and invisible to the users. So I think we all want that kind of future where we're all just part of Web three without talking about a like, hey, block space, and <laughs> yes. in, all these things. Exactly. That's, that's a great note to to wrap up on. Uh, and perhaps we would like to just finish off with a quick uh, call to action, shout out whatever you want to say, Rebecca.
1: Absolutely. And um, so we I mean, we are um, putting our heads down and building at the moment, really looking to get Alphanet out uh, in in a couple months' time, and at the same time, really working very hard to onboard the early projects and partners that are building on Saga. Having said that, we are always happy to to do more. Um, So to the extent that uh, your audience uh, is an audience of developers and they're looking to build their own games or their own NFT projects, or maybe they have them already, but they're looking to experiment on other infrastructure or scale to other infrastructure, we're more than happy to chat with them. Um, Once Alphanet is available, they'll be able to play with it, but we'd like to be able to provide as much support to these projects as possible. And so we would encourage people, um, if they're interested in participating in the Saga Innovator Program, to go ahead and get in touch with us. Uh, So how you would do that is just go to our website, saga.xyz, and there is a place there uh, to sign up. Uh, And so you'll be able to get in touch with the team, and um, hopefully we'll get a chance to work together from there. Uh, in terms of just sort of a wider call to action, uh, there obviously are all the, the Saga social media channels where you get to learn the latest about what's happening in the project. Um, so, if again, if you go to our website, Saga.xyz, and you go to the about page, then you'll see all of our socials there. But we do have a Twitter um, that's just at Sagaxyz um, double underscore. Uh, we have a Discord. We have a Telegram. Uh, would really love for people to, to come in and just share what they're building, share what they're thinking about in the Web3 space. We do have a very vibrant, friendly community. Um, so really looking forward to hearing from everyone. Um, and I, I guess I'll, I'll just end on this note. I know that, you know, it's, it's been a wild few months for crypto. I, I think that a lot has happened in this market. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to say the bear is over. It seems like we've been having a better two weeks. Uh, but having said that, I, I do want to acknowledge that you know it's, it's a bit of a weird time, I, I think, especially for people who weren't there in, say, 2018, 2019, um, when we had the first big winter where we thought crypto is dead, no one's going to ever use Ethereum again. Um, Shikai, I'm sure you remember those days. Uh, but no, we do recover. This is a very resilient market. And when people say, that this is a great time to build uh, when things have slowed down a little bit. What they mean is that, you know, when, when things are in a bowl, it's just every opportunity seems wonderful and you're chasing the next shiny thing. Um, This is an opportunity though, to, to take some time to actually, you know, very thoughtfully build out these systems. And, you know, we're doing that at Saga, but we really do want to involve the community in that effort. And So we're always eager to hear uh, from developers who are interested in web3 scalability infrastructure and block space uh in gaming and entertainment always happy to hear ideas uh, from the community we want to involve them in the building process as well um so yeah that's that's the final thing i'll say that you know through this period where there's still some amount of market volatility it is an amazing opportunity to really thoughtfully build great technology that's going to pave the way for the next generation of web3 uh and and ultimately the next big wave in the market
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Shikai. This was a ton of fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Indeed. And to everyone, if you're a builder, do reach out. And as always, see you next time.
1: Thanks so much, everyone. Take care.